you will know what it's like to lose, to feel so desperately that you're right, but in the end to fail all the same. I don't take any pleasure in this, but I would be lying if I didn't have a smile on my face. Is that no? Wait, no, he said something. He said something about enjoying himself. Anyway, welcome to the Rise Guys podcast, guys. I am the host with nothing at the moment, Walkers, and then with me is uh, Kalada, also known as uh, ruler of the supreme overlord of the universe, Thanos. Kalada Anger. That's me. Well, so you're a titan? Yes, I am the last remaining titan. So why don't you some 10 foot tall purple leviathan that could just fuck shit up? Don't worry, my, my growth spurt's coming. No, I'm also huh? going to get that uh, Josh Brolin plastic surgery type look on my face so that I can... Um, Bruh, you know, I'm not going to lie, man. I was just watching that movie and I was thinking, I was just looking at the, guy, the monster's physique. I said, man, guy, that's the type of physique I want in the future. Just... Just be huge and menacing like, like Thanos. Anyway, so as you guys have probably heard, we've already seen uh, Avengers, uh, not Age of Ultron, sorry, Avengers Infinity War. And obviously, we just thought that we sit down and have like a complete spoiler-filled uh, discussion about the film. So I didn't even think, man. We need to have this discussion. We needed to have. We needed to have the discussion because. I ain't gonna lie, after I saw this movie, man, I just sat down on the subway trailer, subway, somewhere on my way home, just feeling some type of way, man. Have you seen, so, uh, you know the Kermit meme, where, where Kermit is depressed? Exactly. It's like, before, that, before you watch Infinity War, and then after. It's like, like, you're just smiling, you're having the time of your life, then you come out of that cinema room, and you're just like, what the, f- what the fuck did I just watch, man? Melancholic, you don't know where, where your life might go. No. Bro, <laughs> I, ain't gonna li- I ain't gonna lie, man. I got some emotional headache after I watched that movie. <laughs> guy, like, honestly, I was waiting for the train for about uh, 15 minutes. I was waiting for, uh, so I was on the, pl- on the train platform, and I was just walking along the platform thinking about everything that happened in that movie. I was like, damn, like, what is this existence? What is our purpose in the universe? Could we lose everything in an instant? What would anyway, we yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going on, going on. We need to have, actually have a discussion about the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, please, 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 now. just leave. Don't okay, even so bother. Come back just don't blame us. Don't bother, don't bother listening to this episode until you've seen the, the movie. If you haven't, you can check out three previous episodes. Of, you know, I just have to give them that plug, you know? Yeah. But, Okay. Kyle, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh-huh. Do you think the 10-year build-up to this film was worth the payoff? Yes. Yes, I do. Despite the fact that I feel like the film had problems, I definitely feel like it was 10 years in the making and they did the legwork and they had enough to stand on to make this film successful. Just, like, I didn't feel like anything... Like Even though there were parts of the movie that I felt ultimately were rushed and maybe could use another like maybe one or two films i felt like this 10-year build-up was completely worth it they paid off a lot of story arcs that had been in that had been set in motion from previous films and it just all seemed worth it but like like uh yeah i feel like it was all worth it so this movie felt like less of a movie and less of an experience because you're sitting there just trying not to miss anything during this roller coaster ride of a film 
Let me say, here's my, my final takeaway from this movie. As a single experience, this movie, it, it simply doesn't work. And if you're not familiar or not up to date with the characters, you don't have to see every single Marvel MCU movie to, be, to understand what is going on. But you need to have seen it a substantial amount of them to understand what's going on or what's at stake. And as a single experience, this is not your, this is, this is something you shouldn't even bother watching because you're going to be the thing. And I think one thing I really liked about it is that to like, like Black Panther, in my honest opinion, it solved a big problem that was plaguing the MCU. And that was this, the villain issue. Mm-hmm. Because, the film took to me took a different approach from what normal MCU movies do that they focus on the hero. But this movie, to me, many times didn't even really feel like an Avengers movie. It felt more like a Thanos movie, a movie focused on the big bad uh, Titan Thanos. But and I think, you, I think that that's what part of what makes it work. That's what made it work because this movie took its time to build Thanos. It just wasn't some big thing like big CGI hulking monster that just wants to end the world for 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 generic reasons or so. Look at Steppenwolf when I'm sorry but I hate comparing you know, I I hate comparing Justice League to this movie but like it's it's night it is night and day when you it, it well and truly is. It really is night and day when you compare those two. Think about it. I mean to me the Avengers just felt like obstacles for a v- villain. And in some certain cases, you could see Thanos as sort of the hero. <laughs> but like that's the thing. Um, the way the movie is written, uh, well, the way and the way they frame the movie from Thanos's perspective, he is the hero of his own story, and that's what makes a compelling villain. Because what makes a truly compelling villain is your ability to see things from their perspectives and to agree with them to some extent. Um, you always kind of feel like, okay, maybe this guy's being a little bit too extreme. But I can see where he's coming from, and in being able to relate to the villain, that's what makes it. Um, that's what makes the villain an even more refined and fully actualized and powerful character. Because you're kind of like, I'm not entirely rooting for the heroes here. Like I actually wouldn't. I don't mind if the villain kind of wins. Like it's. I know it's wrong for the villain to win, but I'm kind of cheering for this guy. Do you know what I mean? I mean his his motivations. I mean we can clearly talk about his motivations now. I think his own was balanced on the idea that there needs to be he needs to wipe he needs to gather the infinity stones so that he can wipe out half the galaxy and bring balance. Well, it's kind of like in a more efficient. Well, okay, essentially the reason why he wanted to do that was because of the tragedy that originally happened on his planet Titan. Like um he was on well, the de facto council for the entire planet. And essentially, they were having this big discussion amongst the people. They're like, okay, the resources are running thin, are running dry. We don't have enough, uh, we don't have enough resources to sustain, um, our entire population. What should we do? So they were debating this issue. And he's like, hey, listen, guys, like, I know this isn't going to be a really popular opinion, but how about we kill half the population through random selection? And the people were like, bro, are you crazy? They're like, nah, we ain't having this. And then essentially he had to watch as his, as the resources on his planet ran dry and it just led his people to extinction, supposedly. That's what he says. Um, and it's quite interesting. So because of that, that's why he wants to wipe out half of the universe because he feels like, okay, this is a tragedy that happened to my planet 
and this should not be happening anywhere else. So I am going to take it into my own hands because I let this happen before and look where it got my planet. So I'm going to go around and I'm going to do this across the universe and save these races from themselves. You know, I like that reasoning better than the original comics because in the original comics, oh because in the original comics, they made me laugh. So dumb. Like in the original comics, in the original comics, his motivation was because he wanted to embrace. He wanted to impress death. Marvel's version of death is apparently a grim reaper with boobs. So. Well, yeah, Marvel's, yeah, Marvel's version of death is a sexy, dark-haired woman who overlooks the universe, going from planet to planet, killing, like, ruling over life and death. And the the original Infinity War comics opens, and you see Thanos, he already has all six Infinity Stones, and he's talking to death, he's like, hey, look, I've done it, I've done this all for you, I've attained all of the Infinity Stones. Now, please, give me your sweet embrace, and this baby is just like a peg. Yeah, if you actually look at the panel, she kind of looks like, eh, I'm not really sure about this. I'm not really comfortable with this guy, but you know, he's kind of doing my job for me, so I'm not really going to say no. And then he snaps his fingers, and boom. Then, yeah, then half the universe is wiped out. But then again, anyway, moving on. I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as the villains go, I think he's one of the most developed, if not the most developed villain of the piece of this universe so far. Yeah. Close second is uh, obviously Killmonger. Killmonger. Although Killmonger had less screen time to be able to achieve his goal. So I guess that's what's worked in his favor. And, uh, you know, I get it. Getting five or six <laughs> to make this movie must have been a Herculean tax because. Think about it. You have over 10, or I don't even know how many superheroes there were at that point, but you have over, let's say, easily over 15 of them. Yeah, exactly. And you need to find some way to put them in the film, give them enough screen time. Obviously, some got more time than the others, and some still had enough, just had a little bit, but had enough time to shine. So, like, when you think about the Avengers, who were the ones that stood out to you for this movie? Oh, who stood out? Um, Yeah. Thor... Thor was the MP- MVP of this movie. Oh, yeah, like this, without a doubt, Thor was the MVP of this one. Think about it. This dude literally, obviously, and you know one thing I really liked is how the movie started. It basically just established Thanos as an immediate threat because the movie carries on from where Ragnarok left off and you see like half of Asgard is already dead on the floor. Well, yeah, this, at the, yeah. in the post credit scene at the end of Thor Ragnarok, you see Thanos' ship. <laughs> appear in front of the Asgardian, uh, well, transport Ish. ship. And yeah. so at the end of that movie, you kind of thought, well, fuck, these guys are screwed. And I love the fact that the movie immediately picks up where they left off and you see, like, everyone's been decimated. So it kind of shows that, yeah, this guy is not here to play games. He's not going to come in and be like, ha, 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 I'm here now. I'm here to attack you guys. Watch my attacks. Isn't it great? Ha, ha, yeah. Although I do like that moment where, like, look, he's like, we have a Hulk, and Hulk just comes out of nowhere and starts trying to beat Thanos, and Thanos just beats the ever-living crap out of Hulk. Can you imagine? He just, <laughs> he's just like, all right, you know what? I'm going to humor you for a couple seconds. And he Seconds. just lets him get, like, five or six blows in. Then he just breathes in. He's like... And then the guy... You know when I saw it? You know when I saw it? I was even just like, he, he, Hulk. Just wails, he wails on the incredible Hulk, arguably... One like of the he strongest just, heroes in the verse. 
if not one of, if not, if the, not the strongest hero in the verse, because it's been established that Hulk has no upper limit. And then, guy, this guy be so so bad that this guy is scared to come out. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's another plot point. Um, so in terms of okay, let, let's finish off with uh, the characters we liked, and then we can get into the stuff that we didn't like about the movie. Okay, so, so obviously, you like? obviously, Thor was like the MVP because he had. He he went through a lot of loss. He went through the most. I feel like he personally went through the most loss in that movie. So he had a plan to take out Thanos by any means necessary. Exactly. Uh, that, that's also the thing that I like about Thor because the guy had an action plan in place. He was like, "Okay, this happened to me. This really sucks, but this is what we need to do to defeat this guy. Let's go do it." It kind of like sometimes some of the other characters were just like. Uh, okay, yeah, this this needs to be done, but I'm not really sure. But I love you. It's like, come on, man! Like, really? I don't know. Mistakes are. But yeah, then again, you mean he had an action plan and everything. We'll get back to that. But like, one thing I did like was that when Thanos makes his appearance, this dude takes out two central characters in the MCU without a hes- without hesitation, which shows that this guy is an actual threat. And that was the problem I had with um, Justice League because Steppenwolf, as intimidating as he was, I don't think he was intimidating at all. As big as he was, or as cool as, or stupid as he looked, he looked really stupid. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Oh my god! It was just—it's the most hollow villain. You—it's one of those hollow scenes. Even in Wonder Woman, people act like Wonder Woman's like one of the best films ever. Wonder Woman, Ares was a terrible villain. No, 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 villain. no, no. I said this. Wonder Woman, the first two thirds were really good. And yes, it's, the, the third act was awful. Third act was awful. Is what probably killed it from getting legendary status. But anyway, going back to the point, I mean, this guy, you could already tell like every time Thanos appeared on screen, this guy was an imminent threat. And the way they established it is they did it immediately by him beating Hulk to a pulp, killing Heimdall, yeah. and killing a Loki, just like that. Actually, yeah, so going on that, how did you feel about those guys, uh, those character deaths? The Loki one was kind of... The Heimdall one, I kind of saw coming, because, you know, part of it is that... Part of the problem with the movie is that you already know a lot of the contractual situations of the actors going into the film, and you know the backstory of what they're doing, but, like, Heimdall... If Selva says he didn't really enjoy his MCU experience, so he's been looking to get be written off at some point. So Heimdall, even, even as a character, Heimdall just didn't really have a lot of purpose. Left, Heimdall after Asgard, Heimdall, Heimdall is a character of infinite power, but I feel like the MCU didn't didn't utilize him properly. Infinite power? No, infinite knowledge. No, no, wisdom. no. It was infinite knowledge and wisdom, and was like. A key cog in the Asgard uh, uh, mythology, yeah. but they didn't. They didn't. I didn't really feel that one. Didn't really get to me. But the Loki one, that one was kind of sad because you know, despite the fact that Loki is this tre- um, treacherous, uh, dishonest, and just sometimes unlikable character, you kind of felt like okay. <laughs> Even though he's done all these things, and you could even see it on Thor's face. It's like, okay, yeah, even though you are the worst, you're still my brother, and we've been through a lot, and I still love you. And watching Loki get choked out like that, and then I think he just used two fingers to, like, crush his crush his windpipe. That was awesome. And after that, uh, you 
the, the, the thing Heimdall does is he sends Hulk to Earth. You know, one thing I do like about the film is how they paired the different Avengers together. Because, you know, up to the build-up, up, up to the build-up, up to the build-up, you're thinking how these guys are all going to, how did the film get all of them together? And I like the way it, it, it paired them. I know you don't like the Hulk one that much, but the reason the Hulk one had to happen was because these guys, in the original comics, it was Silver Surfer that brought the warning to Earth that, yo, Thanos is coming, and I've seen what he's capable of. Yeah. So um, Bruce Banner played that role in this movie. In that role in this movie. And I know a big subplot of this was that he couldn't bring out Hulk again because Hulk doesn't want to come out after that beating received. What do you think about that? I did not like that subplot at all. Cause because... If he had come out a lot earlier, a lot of the threats that happened or the combat uh, sequences that could have happened happened would have ended a lot. Would have ended a lot faster if Hulk came out to play. Yeah, exactly. Because like, even if Hulk is afraid of Thanos, one on one, maybe okay, you can establish that Thanos. You can't take on Thanos one on one, if especially if he has the power and the space stone. With the power stone, Hulk can't match Thanos. That's just fact. But um. The thing is, like, okay, so they established this plot point that the Hulk can't come out anymore, and it just got really annoying because... Well, he doesn't, he doesn't want to come out. Yeah, because all of these... Okay, the Black Order, these guys are fodder next to the Hulk. Let's just oh, yeah, okay. That's another, that's, another, that's another thing we need to talk about. The Black Order, what do you really think about them? Um, apart from Ebony Moore, Moore, I thought the rest of them were pretty trash. I mean, they were just kind of for the... They were just... Obstacles for the heroes to fight. Yeah, I love how Ebony Maul was kind of like a Mormon or like one of those Christians. He's like, rejoice. No, no, man. Yeah. Ebony Maul was just dick riding Thanos, man. No, but that's the whole point. He's going around like one of these evangelists and he's like, rejoice, for we have brought you salvation through the power and wisdom of his lordship. Man, dude, the guy had a cool, he had the coolest part of the bunch, but man, like, yeah, I was getting tired when he was just decrying Thanos, man. I love the but, way yeah, they, I mean, they, they were channeling Magneto with the way he used his powers, even the way he moved his hands and everything while using his telekinetic abilities. He just reminded me of Magneto so much. Like, All right. Like, yeah, just wave his hand and this guy would go flying and it just, it was so casual for him. Okay, now that we go, we've talked about them for a bit, we'll come get back to them. What did you think about, um, who else was a key part of the movie? Um, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, uh, and Peter Parker were like a trio before they joined up with like... What did you think about the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie? I thought their character interactions with Thor were hilarious. Um, especially when he was on the ship. And, <laughs> and obviously, like Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. To, yeah, he's trying to make his voice deeper. He's like, he just seems really insecure because Gamora is like, oh wow. Gamora is Gamora's feeling Thor. And then, <laughs> I love how Drax just says, like, yo, this man is a, this is a man. You're a dude. <laughs> yeah, like a, this is a man, a very muscular man. <laughs> but, you're a dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, I like some of the character dynamics, and then obviously, like, I love the way Thor kept calling Rocket Raccoon. He's like, Rabbit! But yeah, I mean, I like some of the pair-ups that they had. So, um, you had Thor, Rocket Raccoon, and uh, Groot, who plays a big part in the movie, despite him just being like a little child just playing on his uh, video 
again not doing anything. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, who did? Who else was paired off? So we had Iron Man. And okay, well, Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Peter Parker. I don't think initially that that was a very good pairing, just because I felt like and I, I don't know. What do you think about Iron Man? What do you think about Iron Man? Because I really don't think he's really grown as a character. He's just still a tremendous douchebag. Yeah, he's just. Yeah, it's look. It's like there's no character growth, but I think that's also a problem to do with the writing. They're trying too hard to make. Um, well, it's to do with the writing, and it's also to do with uh, the politics off screen. Robert Downey Jr. is obviously jostling and tussling with the directors and all of these people off screen, saying like, "Hey, I'm the driving force behind the MCU. If you don't have me in the middle of the posters." If you don't have me with an off-screen time, I don't want to wear the iron mask on screen for that long. That's why he kept taking the helmet off. It was just it was just a bit ridiculous. And it just feels like they shoehorned Tony Stark in there. It's like he really doesn't have that like that much to do. Like, realistically, they should have killed him in this movie, especially when he got stabbed. I was like, this would have been a great moment. But then again, then again we need to talk about why he got spared because, like, at some point in the thing, like, you know, like, we all know who has the time, sh- uh, the Infinity Gems by the time the movie starts. And Doctor Strange has, holds, is the permanent holder of, like, the time stone. So, like, during the scene where Peter when Parker... Yeah, when they're sitting on Titan, planning... Yeah, when they, when they get to, waiting for, waiting on Titan uh, for uh, Thanos to come back, you have, a, um, they have, like, a brief scuffle with, like, Peter Quill, um, Peter Quill, uh, who else came... Mantis and um, Drax. Drax, and then obviously, like at some point, uh, Nebula comes and we'll, we'll get to that point. Well, soon. basically, I think you're detracting from the original point. The thing is, the reason why they kept Tony Stark alive is because while they were waiting for Thanos to come back, there was a point where Doctor Strange well, is meditating, and he looks into the future and he says that he sees about four, fourteen million six hundred thousand and five something uh, possible I'll futures. Come. and they only win one of them and he says the and even when he's yeah so even after their fight with Thanos when they lose he even says Tony this was the only way as he fades away and turns to Ash so Um, this is the only this is this is the end game and this was the only good outcome this is part of the only good outcome how that is going to turn out we don't know but I'm kind of excited to see what will happen um a big talking point of that movie was um, Gamora. The movie takes its time to explore the relationship between Thanos and uh, Gamora, and Gamora played like quite a huge part in that movie. But I think the way, I, I think a lot of uh, well uh, feminists will be quite angry at the way she was used as a character. It's become it's become a trope in. Uh, uh, in, in, well, in modern media, where basically the female character is killed off to serve to serve as character development or the driving motivation for the male character to push forward in the story narrative. Yeah, but then again, the poor point of her death, unfortunately, which was like really like hard to see, man, because it was um, it was focused on the fact that um, in order to get the soul stone, you must sacrifice something that you truly. You must sacrifice something you love, and then she was just there laughing after like uh, Thanos had taken her to that planet, uh, where it was guarded by Red Skull, which was a cool cameo, by the way. Because we're always wondering what happened to Red Skull. Did he actually die, or was he just teleported across space? And we we seem to have gotten our answer. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, honestly, I don't think it needed to be Red Skull, but it was quite cool that they decided it was quite to so give him that minor role because he served no other, he's going to serve no other purpose moving forward. It was just a cameo. It was just to let people know, okay, yeah, he's, he's just still alive. He's, he didn't die at the end of Captain America. And most people thought he would have. Yeah. Anyway, the, the whole point is that you know, he needed to get, in order to get the Soul Stone, he needed to sacrifice something close that he really loved. And obviously, like, uh, Thanos, obviously, through flashbacks, you see that he grows fond of uh, Thanos, um, Gamora, and he takes, uh, he takes her in as an adopted uh, daughter. And it's kind of cool seeing that moment happen. Because, you know, in the previous Guardians of the Galaxy, we only had to take Gamora and Nebula's word for it that they were raised by Thanos. But we never. Uh, we, we believed it, but yeah, it was good to see um, how that relationship forms. Um, and it's quite interesting because uh, it also plays into um, Thanos' character development, not just because he he learned he grows fond of Gamora and learns to love another person, but you can just tell like there's this running theme throughout the movie that Thanos likes people, um, strong strong-willed people that people. Challenge, that, tra- that challenge the norm. So essentially, he sees Gamora on this planet that he's he's conquering, and like he's killing off half the population. And she's standing in front of him, like she is scared, but she's she's looking at him so fiercely, and she's so determined to find her mother. And he really respects that, and you can see how he respects that, especially because the facial um the facial capture for Josh Brolin was so good. So even though uh, at times at, at times I actually thought it was I forgot it was not CGI. Yeah, it was CGI sometimes because it was really good. Because at times, if you compare the look of his face in this movie compared to the very first time you see the CGI version of Thanos at the end of uh, in the post credit scenes after the uh, first Avengers movie, look yeah. at how look at how drastic the transformation is, and he looks so much better in this film, and I'm so glad he looks like this because he looks like yeah. a person. He looks like yeah. a real a real being. Yeah, true that. And then um, yeah, I mean yeah, text are in, and then you learn, and then obviously it's like. That scene, man, I ain't gonna lie, man, that scene got me because I, was, I wasn't really expecting it. I was like, nah, Gamora, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there, just grabs her and throws her. so great when he's like, okay, listen, just balance this on your finger, see, just perfectly balanced, and then you hear the screams of all of the people being massacred in the it's background, bad. and she tried to turn around, I was like, no, no, just keep focused, just stay focused. And it, it, it didn't destroy the whole planet. It destroyed half the planet, and he yeah, explained no, no, to half her the population. And he now said that did you not notice that the people were well fed and everything, which was a practical, uh, uh, practical showing of his his idea of why he wants to wipe out half the universe. Yeah, it's quite interesting because when she comes face to face with him again um, in nowhere, where the collector's base is, she's like, oh, uh, yeah. after after he kidnaps her and he's talking to her, it's like, listen. Like, she's like, you murdered half my people. I never loved you. And he's like, he was basically like, oh, it's good to see you again, my daughter. And she's like, ah, oh, I never loved you. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Well, that's the way he... Wait. It's been the most miserable part of my life. And he's like, yeah, you said that to me every no, day. No, no, but that's that scene where she stabs him in the neck and he just dies. And then he was just a ruse using the reality stone. Says, oh, so you do care for me. I was like, damn. And she started crying after she stabbed him in the neck and everything. I was like, damn, this guy just played with her with the reality stone. Yeah, that was great. Um, The point point I was actually getting at was um, talking about the practical solution that you mentioned to do with Gamora's planet because 
she was like, hey, listen, you wiped out half of the population. You, you killed my family. You killed half of the people on my planet. But he's like, but look at your planet now. Have you seen it? He's like, she's like, well, no. He's like, it's a paradise. Everyone's living in peace and prosperity. If you could see it now, I did your people a service. And now they can thrive. And she's like, well, what did it cost? And she like, and essentially even further on in the movie, after she sacrificed to become the soul stone, Thanos has a brief experience where he sees her soul. And Thanos. Like, yeah, Thanos. And she's like, he sees a projection of Gamora's soul um, that appears to him as a little girl. And she's like, he's like, yes, I've done it. But she's like, but was it worth it? At what cost? And he's like, yeah, the cost was too high. Yeah, you know, like he deeply cared for help, but then, which makes the villain. That's why I really like him as a villain. Anyway, going on. Yeah, that was a that was a tough pill to swallow. And then um, when he kills Gamora, well, it was hilarious because yeah. he's like, "Ha! But uh, you wanted you do, you your do, entire they, life. You don't care about anything." Anything. <laughs> you just see his face. And then she realizes, "Oh shit, it means me." And then she tries to stab herself, and then turns the knife into a bubble, and he just grabs her. Throws and just see how falling down in slow motion. I was like, damn. And everyone in the cinema, and I love watching this type of movies in the full cinema because everyone was like, yo, the cinema just stopped. I literally heard someone drop their popcorn. Yeah. That's how crazy it went, man. But what was another key scene in that movie? What do you think about the action scenes, though? Oh, I thought the action scenes were brilliant. Well choreographed, you were able to see everything. You could feel the weight of the hits. Yeah, because he wasn't really playing around with shit. Uh, the Russo brothers weren't playing around with shaky cam like they like to do normally. Yeah. It was, and, uh, there were wide shots. It was quite easy to tell what was going on in most of the scenes. I think, yeah, the problem with some action movies is that they always do the shaky cam thing or maybe they film from a first-person perspective, a hero, and it's just, it just doesn't really work. I think it's great that they were able to give such wide pan shots and over-the-shoulder um, images so that you could really tell what was going on, especially in the fights where they're like three people, where you have like, for example, Black yeah, that's Okoye and... Uh, I wouldn't... Like, like r- ranking the scenes. You know, my favorite action scene was that plan when they tried to get the the gauntlet out of um, Thanos' hand it when they were so, fighting. It was so, so well coordinated. It was seven on one. It's like, did you see that part where he uses which stone is it that he uses? I think he uses the space and power, combines both of them to bring a moon down on them, and you're just like, yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> I actually thought he was gonna. I was quite disappointed because I thought he was gonna actually pull the entire moon down, but it's still pretty cool because you see him activate both. Then he just crushes his hand, like he just grips his hand, and you see the moon just crush into pieces. Well, that's it. That, that, that scene was mad because everyone so just because Doctor Strange. In fact, Doctor Strange is another MVP in that movie, man. Yeah, he doesn't waste a. I, I think my see my problem with a lot of the um, some characters no. isn't that they were bad. Like a character like Doctor Strange, he wasn't bad. I just feel like they nerfed him. Uh, no, it's like a uh-huh, hand vision. He's a key pop point because he's he has he had the he had the mind stone in his head. And you know, Age of Ultron established him as a superpower thing, powerful being. And obviously they kind of nerfed him for Civil War, but man, this guy received the most nerfing shot. He can more yeah. this guy's made like this, listen, his entire body is made out of vibranium. He has the mind stone, he can shift and morph into anything possible, imaginable, and he also has Tony Stark, Bruce Banner. 
Jarvis and Ultron's minds combined into one. Are you telling me that this guy is not capable of defeating one guy from the Black Order? Fuck. Man, but this guy, this guy was just getting stabbed throughout the whole That's movie. The whole thing. They turned him into a damsel in distress, and I was so angry. And the whole, um, the whole Vision and Scarlet Witch romance—it just doesn't work. Man, that shit is. Cr- it's just creepy, creepy and they have they haven't spent enough time developing it. Like, dude, like, dude, dude, I literally had a conversation with one of my friends, and she said, "Oh, I found that relationship really cute." I said, "Wait, a witch falling in love with a robot? Does that make any sense to you?" Yeah, I, I think I was, I was sitting next to my friend, and he was like, "Wait, what is going on?" I was like, "Robot sex." <laughs> I just whispered "robot sex," and like the people next to me started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "What the fuck is this? this? Is weird." I was like, "How do you? Ex- how does Disney explain this to kids, man?" It's so creepy. So no, but then again, then again, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, Vision was horribly enough, and he, I, I just felt like he became a MacGuffin. Yeah, he essentially was. A he, he essentially became a MacGuffin, and he just kept getting stabbed throughout the movie. I was like, "This is getting tiresome. Stop getting stabbed. Do yeah, something." Yeah, it's worse. Like, even if you got stabbed, like, bro, come on. You should be able to heal, one. Two, even if, even if, okay, so, Vision's explanation was like, oh, his weapon has stopped my ability to phase. But dude, you only got stabbed once. You have a milestone, you can fire off laser beams, you can fly at supersonic speeds, your body is made of vibranium, you can hit back. Come on, what are you talking about? Then he's like, Scarlet Witch is like, you have to run away. It's like, alright, try to fly away, get stabbed again. It's like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> and even Scarlet Witch, what? I feel like her powers were nerfed too. Because reality, um, if you read the comics, she's able to bend reality to her will at some point. So it's kind of like, guys. Although I do find that scene when she finally decides to join the fight in Wakanda really funny. Because Okoye is just like, why weren't you there in the first place? Exactly. Why were you in <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> She basically just addressed everything that the audience was thinking at that point. And everyone cracked up laughing. Speaking of which, what do you think about Wakanda in the movie, man? I thought that Wakanda was incredibly underserved. Doesn't it didn't feel no, like Wakanda? It felt, it felt it felt hollow. Exactly. It felt, it felt hollow. hollow com- it felt hollow compared to what we've just seen in um, the actual Black Panther. Because Black Panther took his time to explore his tradition, his cultures, and all that kind of stuff, and made us feel like, yo, this is like some next level thing. It was just a bunch of fields and maybe a force field and all that kind of stuff, and that was just it. Yeah, and this and movie I, just didn't really feel like... It didn't really feel as important, and I guess they filmed it like that because they probably didn't think these guys filmed this thing before, like, Black Panther came out. Yeah. And they probably didn't expect it to be, like, the smash that it was. Exactly, and you can tell. it's That's painfully obvious from this movie. And the movie was too far into production to do reshoots because what they tend to do is like when they know that something's a big hit so it's a specific character or a specific area becomes a big hit with the audience they go back and do reshoots yeah they would pu- they want to push that character before it's like justice league now after the wonder woman success they call them back for reshoots and say well, I beg, we need to order we need to add in more scenes for um uh wonder woman yeah because- and then she was also at the he- at the front of the um promotional campaign yeah, of course man Dude, she made them 750M. <laughs> so. I, I think Marvel knew this, so um, they so essentially to address this, that's why they, they made Black Panther such a huge part of the trailers. But it was kind of like false advertising because when you watch the movie, he just oh, there was a, there was a, there was a lot of false there was a lot of false advertising, but I guess they wanted to misdirect 
a lot of the audience thinking, ah, so like, you know, in the trailer, you see all of them running in Wakanda, including Hulk, but it's like, this movie Hulk, is completely different, uh, scene. Hulk, Hulk only came out in the very beginning of the movie and he never showed up again. Yeah. And that, yeah. the running scene is completely different in Wakanda. And instead of the Hulk, you have, uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk Buster armor instead. Yeah, they do it. They do it so that they can misdirect people. Even the cast members during the production of the film were like, they were constantly being misdirected because they know one or two of the cast members can't keep their mouth shut. Tom Holland being like the, the key one. Yeah, they were very careful to make sure spoilers didn't come out for the movie um, in advance. Yeah, anyway, going on, it's like the Wakanda scene was kind of cool, but I felt like it was a little bit uh, underwhelming. They didn't, obviously, I know they probably didn't have the time to bring back everyone. Yeah. Most of the cast members. And I don't expect all of them to be back. But like, um, obviously, man, I, I was happy seeing uh, Mbaku doing his thing, man. The guy wanted a rack now, so he got his rack. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was great. It was great. But I, I, it's, cool, it's cool to see that, especially like... Uh, it's, him it's and yeah, like it's interesting to see that him and Mbaku are cool, but it was also very interesting to see that Wakabe's tribe was there, but obviously I think he's been imprisoned. Oh, we don't know where the other border tribe is because they, they bring that point up anyway. Well, the but leader like of the border tribe, yeah, like he's, yeah. he's not there. Yeah. Anyway, what I find really cool is that um, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Shuri. Shuri felt underused. She was only there for like one minute, yeah, one or two hey, minutes. Listen, Shuri, we need you to analyze this super complicated um, piece of the universe. Can you do it? It's like, sure, let me do it in five minutes. <laughs> and then she gets attacked. Uh, we don't even know if she survived or not. Oh, yeah, she fell off, fell off her flight of stairs or something with yeah, uh, Ayo. She probably survived. She anyway, speaking of which, we need to talk about the biggest points that shook everyone in the cinema. Like, you know, in this type of movies, you usually expect the hero, the hero to win, but man, it Thanos. Was, it was great. So, like the like, third act of the movie. So, um, Thanos after Thanos the... arrives in uh, Wakanda, and basically there's uh, this there's a struggle where Black, uh, not Black Witch, Scarlet Witch is supposed to kill Vision. She's like, listen, he's like, listen, he has five of the stones now. This is the final one. At least we can prevent him from getting this one. You have to kill me. So this is also a parallel to Gamora and Peter Quill because she also said, I know the way to the Soul Stone and if it comes down to it, you should kill me. So they did this parallel lovers thing where both love, um, both couples, one person from each of uh, the couples was asking the other to kill them if something happened. Uh, so essentially everyone's trying to stop Thanos from getting to Vision and Scarlet Witch. And it's so great to watch because this guy is just walking through and just he's just like wrecking everyone. Like, you see Okoye go at him, backhanded slap. You see, like... <laughs> yeah, you know what? Speaking of Steve Rogers or Captain America, no matter what they call him, I don't really think he added much to this movie. He didn't have a lot to do. And he didn't have, he didn't a, lot have a lot to He didn't have a lot to do. He didn't have a lot to say. And I think it was just there. Just to say, yeah, this guy can fight. That's it. And he's a leader of, he's leading like the remaining, um, fugitives that left the Avengers. Yeah. So I, I didn't really feel like he, he made a big impact. And I think one thing that I have to talk about is that the movie 
uh, to me, at some point, felt like it made the same mistakes Amazing Spider-Man 2 did. How so? How so? You, you, remember, you remember what my problem with Amazing Spider-Man 2 was? With Electra? No, no. It just didn't tell a complete story. It left okay. too many. It opened too many plot points. Well, okay, expand. So, what does this have to do with Captain America? No, the- no, no. The whole movie. I, I was just thinking about it now, and I think that part of my problem with the movie is that it only felt like a first half of an actual movie. And okay. part of it is, is that you know the original intent for Infinity Wars was it was, it was going to be split into two parts. Yeah, they changed it into two that, and you can see remnants of that concept affecting the movie. So it doesn't feel complete. And I guess that's the desired attention, but uh, anyway. But that's also kind of the idea because the ending, the ending is what got everyone because it happens so suddenly. Uh, oh yeah. The, yeah. We need to talk about the ending. Like what happened in the end? Um, eventually, you know, Scarlet Witch destroys, uh, Vision, thinking, oh yeah, finally, he she's destroyed the Mind Stone. But like, <laughs> we all forgot that Thanos, Thanos has the Time Stone. So I they do I just forget. I don't know, but everyone, but, but everyone it's hilarious to see everyone in the crowd go, oh shit, oh shit, he has the Time Stone. So he just rewinds everything and then just turns up behind her, just slaps out of the way, grabs Vision, just tears the thing out, and the guy just becomes like this colorless, lifeless corpse puts the stone in his hand and then Thor just comes out of nowhere throws his uh, stone break. oh yeah we even need to talk about that because Thor went Thor Thor went to this planet the the, the dying star where Nilna was originally made and needed to make a weapon capable of killing Thanos with infinity with the infinity government in hand so he made uh, he made this weapon called Stonebreaker fun fact isn't that yeah, Beta Ray Bill's hammer? Yeah, Beta Ray Bill's hammer. For those who don't know, Beta Ray Bill is like this alien that in the four comics that was also worthy of holding um, Milner. So like Odin made went to the elves that made uh, Milner and made a stormbreaker for him. So this is their own version of it. But in this version, he says like, "Oh, we need this weapon so that we can." It has the capabilities to create the Bifrost Bridge anywhere and teleport people anywhere. But what do you think about that cameo with um, Peter Dinklage? I thought Peter Dinklage was a very awkward... Uh, he, he's just like a very awkward shooting character. And it was also like uh, typecasting, which isn't the worst, but I just felt like... He was trying to channel too much of his... Um... No, really. I just feel like he didn't have a lot of room to... Uh, to show his acting range and it was kind of like you could just tell like he just didn't seem very enthusiastic but maybe that was also how they wrote the character i'm not entirely sure but the way he read read his lines it just seemed very awkward and it's like okay i am this exposition character and to make the new stormbreaker armor i don't have hands so this is how we're going to do it and it was just like ah, bro like okay um but there was, there was one really funny line where um he thought it's like, okay, so we have this problem. Uh, um, we need to reactivate the dying, the, the door star. How do we do it? He's like, the dying star. 
the dwarf, the, the dwarf like uh, yeah the dying star sorry and he's like how do you do it well you have to open the gate and allow the uh you have to allow the heat to pass through it and he's like okay i'm gonna do it it's like but it could kill you and he's like yeah but i'm prepared for death um or something like that and then he's like yeah but that and it's just like but that's what killing you means like <laughs> everyone was like that was the one funny line he had yeah and then everyone was backing up but yeah, that was a cool scene i actually kind of like that scene actually and then you know it's also Stone like breaker. a power feat because he takes the uh the full force um of a blast from a dying star on his back and it obviously it burns his skin like he gets incredibly burned but he manages to tank it he doesn't die he was on the brink of death, yes, but... But, like, the part of the thing was that Groot was, they were struggling to find a handle for the weapon, so Groot just comes in, cuts off part of his arm, and uses it to create the wooden handle for the new axe. Yeah. And it obviously allows him to, uh, quickly create a Bifrost bridge back to, uh, to Wakanda, where he can join everyone fighting. Exactly. And obviously, they all have their awesome moments. Although, I think I find it funny, the one thing I found funny was, uh, Rocket Raccoon interacting with, um, Bucky. So oh. yo, can I have your gun? <laughs> yo, can I can I buy your gun, or can I have your arm? And the guy's yeah, like, nah. He's like, can I get that gun off you? He's like, nah, it's not for sale. It's like, how about that arm? It's like he just walks away. He's like, I'm gonna get. That arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. He gives Thor the eye that he picked up during the uh, yeah. prison escape. That was like a cool. That was, that was a cool callback. That was a cool callback. Was it Galaxy 2 that he got the eye from, or 1? Oh, no, okay, yeah, I think it was... Oh, yeah, no, so I think he got the eye in 1, and I think he got an ear in 2. No, he got a leg from 1. I was like, well, what do you need the leg? Oh, I was just playing with you, man. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it was 2 where he got the eye. Yeah, Groot, Groot just... Uh, Rocket just likes stealing shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I know yeah. this... Um, Going back to the points, yeah. it's like Thor comes out of nowhere, stabs uh, Thanos, and he's like, Thanos is like, oh, you should have aimed for the head, and then he clicks, and then yeah. he just disappears. So yeah, obviously, then, when Gamora was originally like, with the snap of his fingers, he could wipe out half the universe, and I'm, mm-hmm. gra- I'm really glad yes. that they paid that off, because he does do it, eventually does, and then everyone's like, well, shit, what happened? What's happening? Nothing's happening, and everyone's just turning. People are slowly turning into dust and dying. But I, I love how intense they made the scene because the music completely stopped. You can tell that everyone's confused. They don't know what's about to happen, and by the time it so does start happening, people like, are freaking out. Exactly. People are freaking out. So who died? Who died? So we lost the Chala. Yep. Uh, Bucky. Yep. Uh, Scarlet Witch. Yes. Um. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, Drax, Peter Quill. Drax, Mantis, Dr- Peter Quill. There's, um, who else? There quite a few of them. Um, Scarlet Witch was there. Yeah, I said Scarlet Witch. Oh, you said that. Already. Okay, so that's, um, that's eight so far. Um, who else did we lose? I think we lost Groot. Yeah, we lost Groot. Yeah, yeah, we lost Groot. So, like, the only two Guardians left is, uh, Groot and Nebula. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then we lost Spider-Man, who's number 10. And yeah. It was quite uh, interesting oh, when Spider-Man was going. It's like, Mr. Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Oh, man. No, no, I don't feel really good, Mr. Stark. 
like, I don't, I don't want to die. I don't. And it was kind of like it was gut wrenching to see him like, like. And the whole audience, the whole audience was worried because it just takes you back and remind man, this is just a kid that you know is in a situation and is at a time is well out of his depth though. Yeah, and it's quite Although, it, 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 like you had talked about before with the audience reactions. It was great to see everyone's reaction when Spider Man was about to die because no one knew who was gonna die. So as they were slowly watching each of these people fade away, okay. they're like, "Listen, who's gonna come next? We do, like don't kill Spider Man. You're not gonna kill Spider Man." Then when they do, they're like, "Everyone's like, ah." Oh. <laughs> and Apollo is just because he's Stop. freaking out and it's like a kid, and it's just like you remember. It reminds you that he's a kid. Although I don't know, you know, personally, one thing that I had, one problem I had with the scene is that I wish Kevin Feige had held back which movies had been greenlit for sequels. Yeah, yeah, because because based on that, we already know who's going to come back when they make the second Avengers movie. So when they make the fourth one, but I think um, this I think, is also also great because it sets up the so based on everyone they've so, killed, all only the original cast of the Avengers and one or two extra characters are left, and it's great because it's their way of saying that here's the old guard, they're going to be the ones to save the day, and then ride off into the sunset and introduce a new era of the Avengers with a completely new. Team. Yeah, speaking of which, it means that, you know, one or two of them are definitely bites into dust. Tony Stark, without a doubt, is definitely going to go. There are two ways I can see it ending for Tony Stark. He gets married and goes, runs into the sunsets, never to be seen again, and passes the Iron Man mantle to someone else. I think it'd be cool if he, if Shuri became Iron Man, or Iron Woman. Uh, no, 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 Have you seen the new Iron Man comics where they have the, uh, Riri Williams is a black girl, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, Shuri, in the comics, she's been Black Panther a few times, so... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they're going to do with it. But, like, um... It's either that Tony Stark is probably going to die by the bullet, or it's going to be Captain America. Because it's contract. Why not both of them? Both of them might go, actually. Yeah. And then we don't even know where, um... Ant-Man and, um... Oh yeah, they said that Ant-Man and um, Hawkeye are under house arrest or some shit like that. So that's no, why they, they are supposed to appear in the next movie. Uh, no, no, we've already seen onset photos. They're they're they're, they're slated to appear. And I think uh, Hawkeye is taking the mantle of Ronin. Ronin. Ronin, like uh, one of Mar- Marvel's ninjas, a Marvel a ninja character Marvel has. So it's like adopting that um, identity. But was like why? Well, it's kind anyway. of become a running gag that Hawkeye is just useless. Um, Hawkeye. It's just a dude with arrows. Yeah, literally, he's just and a human just, being with arrows. He's way out of his depth. Yeah. And we, we I was just talking about how Spider-Man is way out of his depth. This is someone that's truly, truly out of his depth. Fa- oh, yeah, Falcon. He died. Yeah, I wasn't too... Yeah. I, was, I don't really yeah. care about that. I don't even know. Everyone, I remember, I was just like thinking, why is Falcon there half the time? This dude has no powers. Literally, Whoa. he just has some mechanical wings and two Uzis, two semi-automatic what, rifles. What what the hell is that to do in the space battle? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, the ending was like, damn. And then you know what makes the ending even funnier? What? Thanos, Thanos is just walking, sitting down in a farm and watching the sunsets. Yeah, it's because early so after, after he kills uh, everyone, 
he um goes back to Gomorrah's homeworld and he, he goes to a wooden a wooden cabin and he just sits there in a bed of flowers <laughs> watching, the watching the sunset. sunset. Watching the sunset and he said, I will relax once this is all over. And the guy's just there enjoying it. I was like, yo, Thanos won. And then you know what makes the whole post like you know when you're watching the credits and at the end of the credits they say this character will return, this person will return. They now say Thanos Thanos will return. So it's like which sells the point more that this was Thanos' movie more so than the Avengers. The Avengers were just the obstacle for his way. For him to overcome on, come, his, yeah. um, on the Infinity Quest. Yeah, so you know what? Out of 10, what Think would you give it as a whole? I'll give it a solid 8. And I'll tell you why. It's, this movie wasn't going to be perfect. It was a recurring task for the Russo brothers to get all these characters to interact with each other and tell like a very cohesive story. Mm-hmm. And it succeeds for the most part, but obviously, I think the big flaws of the movie was just that um, he, some characters, just didn't act like they would normally do based on their their character developments in their previous movies. Another problem is that this movie is just not newcomer friendly. You need to watch but that's, this. That's whole, but that's the whole idea, though. Yeah, so it's like... You that, can't, so I would not have, call that a problem, because it's, it's 10 years it's more, it's, 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 it's more nitpicking at this point. Yeah. Uh, other nitpicking is like, one or two characters just once that were given a substantial amount of screen time just didn't feel so significant to me. And obviously, dodgy writing or lazy writing made, made some characters that would normally be like very, very competent, very useless in this film. I don't know if it makes them incompetent. It makes them incompetent, but it also kind of makes them human. For example, case in point, Peter Quill, uh, when they're about to take the gauntlet off his hand, and then he starts hitting him, and oh, which, yeah. um, which throws Mantis off balance, and Thanos um, yeah. regains consciousness. Yeah. That was such a stupid thing. Um, and uh, obviously, like uh, um, the villains, the mid villains, the Black Order, they were basically given no. They were just kind of for at that point. I think Ebony Maw yeah. was the most uh, developed of out of all of them. Yeah, well, his own thing was he's just sucking Dallas' dick. But it was great, it was, though. It was great to watch. It was it, kind of funny, but it was, it was like, they didn't really have that much of a... And I guess that's the problem with the movie of this type. When you have so many things to deal with, or so many things to... to uh, so many characters to give time to. Yeah, I would... I, would I guess they just didn't see Yeah, go on. Uh, anyway, going on, I'll give the movie an 8, maybe an 8.5 at best. Is it the best MCU movie? No. Is it the best Avengers movie? Yes. Yes, without a doubt. Um, I would, I agree with most of your points, but I would give it a 7, just because I feel like even though it was, uh, there was a lot of great character moments, it was well, they managed to really um, balance the large cast of characters really well. The action set pieces were amazing. Um, and there was some great emotional story bit, um, beats, but I just felt like certain parts of the, it, sometimes, sometimes it just felt like less of a movie and more of a, okay, we're jumping to this action scene, then this action scene, then this, and it was moving a bit too fast. So I really appreciated the moments where they took a moment to slow down and just allow people to talk and just be normal. Especially because I felt like sometimes the movie did just, it just didn't need that many jokes because it was so jarring where you have Tony Stark making jokes all the old Speaking of which, the final credit scene, I don't know whether I should have laughed or just be like, what the hell now? Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the post credit scene. So the post credit scene, you see 
Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill driving in New York, and you actually see the, the actual effects of the whole Gallic uh, universe. Uh, well, yeah, people basically saw the ash and then. And, you know, and then obviously, like, Maria Hill is one of the people in the equation to be erased, and then she's just erased, and it's like, what's going on? And then Nick Fury realizes he's erased, and he just getting erased, and he quickly goes to his car. And then starts calling this person, and then you now see this is Signia, and it's Captain Marvel's Signia. Well, this raises a very, very, very important point. If this guy had, as we know, Captain Marvel is the Marvel movie before it's going to be released two months before Avengers Part Two or whatever they're going to call it, and we know that. Captain Marvel is a prequel of sorts because it's set in the 90s. Yeah, no, I don't know. They're going to use the Captain Marvel movie to tie into how they're going to defeat Thanos, but I don't know, unless they do something incredibly creative. Well, it, makes us, it, it makes us question, like, why didn't they call that back in Avengers 1 or Avengers 2? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, well, so if it, you had all of this... They, if, you had this if you had this Trump card in you, if you had this card... I don't understand why she wasn't part of the original team. I guess they didn't think that far ahead. But then again, I bet, um, what's his name? Kevin Feige has written himself out of, like, plots, plots, um, uh, potential, like, plot holes and, plot holes and contradictions. Like, remember Thor Ragnarok where Hela's exploring the vault and she sees, like, the Infinity Gauntlet and then she just discredits it as fake because in the original Thor, like, it was an Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone's like, how does Thanos have it? Whereas, whereas, whereas it's in, it's you know, Odin's fault. It's Odin's fault, yeah. But anyway, that's the movie. That's um, the movie. That is our review. We really hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, I think we will definitely talk about this movie again in the future, um, cause there's a lot more to discuss, but, uh, I think this was a good way to really sort of wrap up everything that, um, some of our initial thoughts about the movie. And, uh, yeah, I think we can have another episode where we discuss the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, there's, forward. yeah there's a lot of things to talk about. I, I want Phase 4 to finish before we really talk about some. Is it Phase 3 going on? I think it was still Phase 3, right? This is Phase 3. Um, so this, we're getting, the final Infinity War movie, well, the sequel is going to be the end of Phase 3 and then moving into So we have, we have three movies left for Phase 3. That would yeah. be Asman, Asman and the Wasps. Coming out Captain uh, I don't know if I'm going to see that. I wouldn't pay attention. Oh, um, Captain, Mar- uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Two months before. And then we have, we finish off with the Infinity War Part 2 or Infinity Gauntlet as a Zoe Saldana accidentally slipped through yeah, the press. Part, part 2. Yeah, so it's going to come out next summer, essentially, or the edge in like, next spring. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, but yeah, that's been our review. That's been today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us again. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Raz Guys podcast. Bye-bye.